0: First thing I wanted to talk about is uh, one of the songs that we actually did sing this morning. Um, we ended up changing a bunch of the songs last minute, and so I was real happy that we didn't pull this one out because I was getting ready to talk about it during the sermon. It would have been a little bit weird, but um, you probably can't read all of those right now. That's okay. But So the song I Am Free by the Newsboys, it's, it was one of my favorites. I mean, it's kind of an older song. Um, it was real popular in churches, I don't know, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago? But I haven't heard it in a long time. I was excited to see that when it was on the list. But uh, through you, the blind will see. Through you, the mute will sing. Through you, the dead will rise. Through you, all hearts will praise. Through you, the darkness flees. Through you, my heart sings, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to dance. I am free to live for you. I am free. Through you, the kingdom comes. Through you, the battle is won. Through you, I'm not afraid. Through you, the price is paid. Through you, there's victory, and because of you, my soul sings, I am free. Such a simple little song, but I love it because it's got just a very clear, concise message to it, right, Um, which reminds me, um, we don't have bulletins today, um, as Josh pointed out earlier. Um, Shane did warn me of that last night. Thankfully, I was still at a computer. Um, For everybody who likes to take notes, um, we do have a sheet of paper to take notes with, um, they were on the table back there, I'm guessing most people probably overlooked it because you were looking for the bulletin. Um, if anybody would like one who doesn't have one, anybody like to take notes and didn't grab a sheet, because we can grab them for you, okay. Um, so, back to the song though, it's got such a clear message, right? It's, I am free, yeah, you got off the hook, there we. Um, <laughs> so, what's our message then? right that's the message of this song is is super easy, but what's our message as a church? what's our message as individuals? what's our message as Christians? What are we about right um, I'd like to be able to kind of boil it down and yeah, obviously, I mean the Bible's pretty big God has given us a lot of information God has given us um, a lot of things that you can't boil down to maybe three words but trying to get just kind of the basic concept of what our message is and boil that down and simplify it. Um, And so the first part of the sermon today, we're just going to go through an easy way to kind of clarify the the basic part of our message. Um, And we'll start it this way. Uh, God created us to be with him. Um, There's kind of two real big parts to that sentence. Um, God created us and to be with him, right? So, and again, you may not be able to read everything on the screen here today. A lot of these are just kind of prompts for me. Um, if you are in the Bible reading along, I'm reading out of the NIV, although it's the 1984 NIV, so it's not exactly the same as the black ones and the chairs here, but it all says essentially the same thing. Um, so God created us to be with him, so we're going to look at a few uh, small passages here. Uh, Genesis 1, 26-27 says this. Then God said, Let us make man in our image and our likeness, and let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So again, the first part of this, God created us to uh, be with him. This is very opposed to the random chance idea of how we became um john fifteen fifteen says this. this is jesus speaking i no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business instead i have called you friends for everything that i learned from my father i have made known to you and john 3 1 says how great is the love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of god and that is what we are and outside of making you want to break into that song that's popular on the radio right now <laughs> the, um, God created us, and he wants us, he calls us friends and children of God. Um, You know, it's not some grand science experiment where it was, hey, let's see what happens when I make people. This was, we were made for a relationship with God. Um, And he describes that relationship as a friend and as children. Um, Elsewhere, he talks about the church being the bride of Christ. You know, these are the most intimate, close relationships that we as humans really understand And that's how God describes how he wants to have a relationship with us. Um, Next point, our sins separate us from God. Um, It's not God's fault that our relationship is messed up, it's ours. Um, Isaiah 59 says it this way, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear Um, I think that could be one of the most terrifying verses in all of scripture, if you let it be. Um, It's this relationship that God had intended when he created us. We have broken that with our sin. Moving along, and we're moving fast today. That's the other thing about taking notes, is I move through a lot of different things. Um, Anything sticks out, like, hey, I want to talk about that more later, or I want to read this verse with more context and you you know you circle it or whatever and you go back to your bible later and you read the whole chapter or whatever it takes to to get better context on what i can give in this amount of time frame um so the next maybe the next most terrifying thing sins cannot be removed by good deeds um you know it's not a, a set of balancing the scales where you've got oh uh, here's sin but Oh, but then I was real nice to this guy, but then here's some more sin, but, oh, but then I sang some great worship songs, and oh, there's some more sins, but then I smiled at the stranger on the way. It, like, it, this isn't how it works, right? It's sin separates us from God, and we can't fix it. Um, and again, Ephesians says it this way As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. Um, our sin, all of our sins, I guess, Um, are things that we can't fix we can't all the good deeds are great and these are all fantastic and we'll get a little bit more into that later but they don't remove the sin Um, that sin is nothing that we can do with we were dead we're we're dead to do anything about the sin that separates us from God Um, so again God created us to be with him our sins separate us from God sins cannot be removed by good deeds but here's the good news Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Um, This is maybe the crux of everything that we believe in. If this didn't happen, then everything else in the entire Bible is worthless. Um, Ephesians 2 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Romans 5 says, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It's not because of anything that we did. It's not, again, it's not because of how great we are, how nice we are, how kind we are, how patient we are, how loving we are. That's not what removes the sin. It's God's grace through our faith in Jesus. That's it. So, God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Here's the next part of the good news. Um, again, you'll notice this doesn't say everyone who was born of Jewish descent or everyone who was born in this country or that country or everybody who has parents who grew up in church or everybody who never committed this sin or this sinner. This is everybody who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Um, so again, two parts of that sentence there. The everyone part, John three sixteen, I think sums it up well. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Again, everyone, right? This is good news that we can tell people. This is good news that we can take to heart. Whatever it is that we've done wrong in our lives and Generally speaking, we know what most of those things are. It doesn't ex- exclude us from this everyone. The second part there, uh, John 14, Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Um, so again, Jesus is not, you know, option A out of seven options on how to reconcile ourselves to God or anything like that. Um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, He presents this very clearly. um, And as much as a lot of the world doesn't like that message today, this is clearly what the Bible teaches. Um, Last point. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That's what eternal means, right? Um, So... The, the forever part, I think, is easy. I mean, we don't really understand eternity, and I don't think that we can fully. But the starts now part is the, is the part of this that really gets me, uh, gets my attention, rather. Second Corinthians says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. This, this basic message that we have there, again, God created us to be with him. Our sins separate us from God. Sins cannot be removed by good deeds. Paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again. Everyone who trusts in him alone has eternal life. Life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. That is what I'm going to call kind of the boil down, basically. A lot of people have probably heard this. This is an old dare-to-share acrostic. Um, For anybody who hasn't seen it before or hasn't used it before or haven't heard it before or hasn't already figured it out, that's the acrostic. It is gospel, right? Um, This message, I had used this not word for word, but as a kind of a guideline on how to share the basics of my faith in a lot of different situations. Um, I had an old church up in Indiana. Uh, we'd started a chess tournament, and it started out real small. Um, it was just a way to kind of, you know have fun, bring people from the community into the building. Um, we had designs on hoping that it was going to be a real, uh, you know. A parent would come in with their child, and kind of a real bonding thing. That part of it never really materialized, but I think the first first one we had, I think we had like three people from the church and two people from the community come, and we we're doing them quarterly. And after like two and a half years of doing, the last one we had over seventy people coming in. It was neat. Um, again, we kind of missed some of the camaraderie, family-building part. We had people coming from like hours away. It was it was pretty neat. But um, during those tournaments. Um, Everybody knew, like, hey, I'm going to a chess tournament at a church, and they didn't really know what to feel about that. I had people at my work who, who, one guy literally said, oh, you don't want me to come. I like chess, but if I walk in, I'm going to catch on fire when I walk into the building. So it was just kind of a way to get people to realize, like, you're not going to catch on fire for walking into a church, right? Um, But somewhere along the line during those tournaments, um, we would stop between whatever, round four, round five, or whatever it was, And I would just quickly run through this basic idea, saying, hey, you know, thank you for coming to the tournament. Um, Hope that you have fun. If you have any questions, you know, talk to me, blah, blah. While we're at this church, while we're in this building, here's what we believe. If you're interested in that, come talk to me more later. If you're not interested in that, you'd never have to hear it again. Um, And it was just a, a real easy way to kind of go through a way to share faith. Um, And I've always liked it, um, so I thought I would share it here. So that is kind of the beginning of our message. I think there are a lot of people who, like this is where we're at. Um, If you've never heard this message before, you've never heard the the gospel preached before, um, I guess today's the day. Um, If you've never accepted, right? if you've never done this trusting in him alone part of any of this. Um, Maybe today's the day for that too, Um, you know. uh, If you're a year, 10 years, 20 years, 50 years beyond this, I did this when I was eight years old, I didn't personally, but (laughs) somebody did this as a, a little kid, they accepted this message and they have, you know, lived your whole life born again. And this is the beginning. We're going to move on today for everybody who is in those shoes. Um, because again, as this little last part says, life with Jesus starts now and lasts forever. It means that it starts now. This message right there, that gospel message, isn't the end. It's the, the absolute very beginning. Um, everything that we read in the Bible. We understand because of having accepted that basic message. So everything else is moving on from there. Um, I think a lot of times it's really easy for us to focus on on that core message, which is fantastic. But if we get stuck there, it's I mean it, you know it's the being on milk instead of meat. It's the little kid never growing up kind of a thing. It's the the Christian version of the Peter Pan complex. Um, and the Bible calls us to so much more than just that first initial basic faith. So we're going to talk about that just a little bit today. Um, so what are we called to do? What, what's, what's the point? So life with Jesus starts now. What does that life with Jesus mean? What is that? Like I understand that okay, when I die, I'll be in heaven or the new earth with jesus i kind of get some of that but what about right now um so second corinthians 517 we've read i'm going to read on again you will not be able to read this on that screen I'm, i'm imagining um but as this was written you could just hear the the power and the the emotion in this um So again, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. And this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. As God's fellow workers, we urge you not to receive God's grace in vain. For he says, in the time of my favor I heard you, in the day of salvation I helped you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. We put no stumbling block in anyone's path, so that our ministry will not be discredited. known yet regarded as unknown, dying and yet we live on, beaten and yet not killed, sorrowful yet always rejoicing, poor yet making many rich, having nothing and yet possessing everything. This is what starts now. Um, We've got the gospel message, and this is the best news ever in the history of the earth. It is absolutely the single most important decision that any of us will ever make in our lives for our eternity, is what we do with that gospel message. If we accept it, if we accept that God made us and that our sins separate us from God and that Jesus died for us and that if we believe in him, we will receive God's grace and be forgiven of our sins and live forever with him. If we believe that, then this is what we're being called for. Um, So... A couple quick things to pull out of that. Um, Grace teaches us how to live for God. Uh, Titus 2 says it this way, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. I think Christians sometimes get wrapped up in talking to somebody who doesn't, believe in Jesus, maybe doesn't believe in a God at all. And we'll talk to somebody and say, you know, you shouldn't do this because this is sinful. And you shouldn't do that because that's sinful and bad. You know, your life is going to be a whole lot better if you just avoid that, do this instead. And that's all good. And that that can help. I mean, I think, you know, God gives us those things to make our lives better. So if somebody takes that advice, fantastic and great, and it will improve their lives. But expecting somebody to take that and to actually apply it to their lives when they haven't accepted the message of who Jesus is, is again, not quite worthless, but we'll say you're kind of spinning your wheels there. Um, Because it's the grace of God that brings salvation, that has appeared to all men. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. It's that grace that helps us to, one, understand the word, and two, to be able to live up to it. Um, So without that, I think the message could be better, the time could be better spent talking about our Lord and our Savior rather than behaviors a lot of times. Um, Next thing, uh, when we do share the gospel, we share it in a loving way. Uh, 1 Peter 3 says it this way. But in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Um, You know, you don't want to have somebody say, hey, why do you believe this? Or, you know, why do you say these things? Or why do you think it's wrong for me to do that? You want to be prepared. You want to have an answer for this. Um, The answer, I think generally speaking, the simpler the better, right? A lot of it's just gonna point back to the gospel message and the core beliefs of who we are and what we believe. Um, The flip side of that is doing it with gentleness and respect. You can't just walk up to somebody and beat Jesus into them because I I don't think that your success rate's super high there. Um, Last thing here, is when and where do we share God's message? Uh, Matthew 28, part of the Great Commission. Then Jesus came to them, uh, the 11 disciples, and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So the question, again, when and where do we share the gospel i mean the answer is kind of all the time everywhere hopefully our lives are working towards a place where what we do and who we are is a way of sharing the gospel with somebody um, so then how do we prepare to share the message um, so I, I knew I was going to be sharing a message here this morning, right? Um, this is the absolute easiest place on the face of the earth to share this message. Um, I know some people are real nervous about public speaking and that, so you might disagree just a little bit. But I'm sharing this message with people who went out of your way to come here to hear this message. That's easy. I don't, like, Oh, I'm so brave to tell people things that... They want to hear enough to come listen to them. No. This is the easy place to share it. Um, so, but even here, right, um, I put on some nicer clothes than normal, right? Anybody notice that, right? Got some nicer clothes on. I got, like, my favorite tie on the on the world here. I've had this tie for longer than my wife would probably like for me to admit. It's got little crosses all over it, right? I mean, that's, sorry. Um, If it, it's like you're going to hear a message from a guy, and you're like, ooh, he has crosses on his tie. I believe that dude. Um, yeah, I've got my Marine Corps tie clip on, right? Fresh shave. Ooh. Ah. Um, clean haircut, right? Um, so speaking of which, um, I'm going to ask everybody a question here. If I was to say, man, I found the best barber in the world, you should go to him. How many people here today sorry, are going to say, yeah, you know what, who is your barber? Because I want to go there real bad and get a haircut. Nobody is going to say that. Okay, I'm going to ask it the other way around. Who here today would say, yeah, who is your barber? Because I am staying away from that guy. Yes, a few people are being honest, got like three honest people in the whole room, all the rest of you are liars, you're lying right here in church, um, and why, so, why, why, CJ, why would you avoid my barber, if I was to say I had the best barber, why would you not go there? I have who's my aunt. That's a great reason. Nice, I like it, that's a good reason. Anybody else? Why else might somebody avoid my barber? Somebody's got to be honest today. I don't have a barber. don't have a barber. barber. You know what? I'm actually going to get into that here in a second. Um, All right. Kennedy, what do you want to say? Everybody's so afraid to say it. Man, your hair is a mess. It's okay to say it. It's, It's so... I I intentionally got a real bad haircut this morning. I just took the you know just random little spots. You can barely tell because my hair's short anyway, and I'm bald. But it's okay to say, um, it's okay to say, you know what? You're a bald guy with a horrible haircut. Why would I trust your barber? What am I nuts? It's that's okay, right? That's that's probably the wise thing to do. However, if you can't trust my barber because my hair is just a mess, how often do we expect people to trust our Lord, right? We call Jesus the Lord of our lives because he leads our path um, along with the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But this is who I'm following. This is who I want to be like. Um, Jesus is the Lord of my life. As we tell people that, and they look at our life, and they say, this guy makes bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. Why would I possibly follow his Lord? Or else we say, ah, Jesus is my Savior. You should, you should accept Jesus as your Savior. You should trust Jesus to be your Savior. And they look at our lives, and our lives are joyless, and we're mad all the time, we're stuck in all the same sins that we've been stuck in for 10 years, we haven't made an inch of improvement, we don't even seem to want to. All the things in our lives that we want to fix, we are absolutely prisoners to. If that's my life, why would I think somebody would trust my savior if they can't even trust my barber when I have a bad haircut? Right? So what is it? And I know I I went from being kind of silly to kind of a downer here, it's a little bit of a roller coaster. Um, But what is it, and I actually don't want answers out loud, but this isn't rhetorical either. I actually want everybody to think for a second. Something in your life that you know shouldn't be there. We all have it. And if we don't, maybe we're just not examining ourselves close enough. Um, Think about something in your life that Maybe this, remember this, uh, Paul, right? We put no stumbling block in anyone's path so that our ministry will not be discredited, right? Our message, we're God's ambassadors here. Um, and do our lives destroy our own message, our testimony? Can anybody believe us because of our lives? Um. Sorry, fell back here. Hey, look at that. They're all right again. Gospel. Um, so you start to wonder, though, if our lives are the stumbling block that Paul warned us about. Um, and so, what about when we're feeling stuck? What do we do? Because we all know that. Like, we just found out. Hey, here's the gospel message. Part of what I'm supposed to do in this life is to share that and to live my life in such a way that people see Jesus. They see this joy. They see this love. They see this forgiveness. They see this guidance. But what about when I mess up? What about when um, I feel like a prisoner? I've got no way out. Um, I can't improve my situation. I wonder if I can escape Uh, Some unreleasable sin. Um, Do we hide the message? Do we hide ourselves? Do we wait? We'd be like, no, you know what? I'm going to not share God's message with anybody until I get my life totally straight. Well, the answer to that is no. Um, Remember, we talked earlier about when are we supposed to share this message? The answer that we came up with was all the time, everywhere. Had nothing to do with only when your life is perfect um, if you wait till your life is perfect to share god's message you won't share god's message um, so there's a message talk about messages from songs um, another song and i'm not going to sing this one and you're welcome um, for the moments i feel faint by reliant k um, again this is going back some years on this song but uh, a part of the lyrics there are, Am I at the point of no improvement? What of the death I still dwell in? I try to excel, but I feel no movement. Can I be free of this unreleasable sin? Never underestimate my Jesus. You're telling me that there's no hope. I'm telling you, you're wrong. Never underestimate my Jesus. When the world around you crumbles, he will be strong. Um, one of my favorite songs ever. Again, it's just kind of a simple little song, but... Um, Do we believe that, though? Because it's real easy to say it, of course. Um, But to believe it is to then trust that, you know what, maybe I have been a prisoner to this sin or I've been stuck in this habit or pattern that I've been, I I know I should break out of it, but whatever, it's fine, it's good enough, I'm not as bad as that guy. Um, But to believe that there's hope. Even when somebody tells us they're not, even if it's us telling ourselves that we're not, but we know better. So what if, let's go back to the old barber here, shall we? Um, What if you see me with this bad haircut and you say, man, I cannot trust that guy's barber, that's smart. But what if you see me again tomorrow or next week and I've got a great haircut, maybe even like full head of hair, I don't know. But got a great-looking head of hair, right? And then you say, wow, your hair looks way better than it did last time when it was sticking up and poking out and all this weird stuff. And I was to say, yeah, last time I cut it myself, I messed it all up. I tried to fix it, I made it worse. But I found this new barber, and he fixed it up. Now, because you've seen the bad haircut, because you've seen me struggle and mess it all up myself, now you have some faith in this barber. So it's not just that you gave somebody a good haircut. People get good haircuts all the time. Gave me a good haircut, that means something because you've seen me all crazy. Um, so we're gonna move into communion time here and kind of finish the story. We're gonna do this just a little bit different than normal. Um, so guys, if you want to come up, I'm going to kind of finish through this story here um, while we pass out the bread and the cups. Um, so please, as you get them, just kind of hang on to them and, and bear with me while we read through. Just a lot of scripture here to finish out the arc of our story. Um, so Mark 14, 22. I read this last time, um, this beginning part. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, this is my body. Then he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. He said to them, I tell you the truth, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it anew with the kingdom of God. remember last time we went one verse longer and we we said, when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. I think that's neat. This time we're going to go even just a little bit further. Right after this happens, right after Jesus is with his disciples, they're having this last meal. Um, They sing a hymn, and then here's what happens. You will all fall away, Jesus told them, for it is written... I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declared, even if all fall away, I will not. I tell you the truth, Jesus answered. Today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself would disown me three times. But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. From there... Uh, They go. Jesus prays at uh, Gethsemane. Judas betrays Jesus. Jesus gets arrested. Uh, Jesus is tried, and I I use, I'm calling that a trials kind of a stretch, but tried before the Sanhedrin. Grab some, you guys can sit down, thanks. Um, He's found guilty. He's found to be deserving of death. Um, The people are spitting on him and beating him. Um, They're saying that he should be killed. His followers are obviously frightened and scared. I think justifiably so. After that, we'll read out of Matthew 26. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard, and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, This fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. And after a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. But he began to call down curses on himself and swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly, um, realizing that Jesus' prediction, of course, is correct. Um, After this, uh, Judas hangs himself. Jesus is tried again uh, before Pilate. He's found guilty again. Um, He's beaten. He's crucified. And he dies. Um, He's buried in the tomb. He rises. um, Overcomes death. Defeats it. Uh, he appears to mary magdalene and then a lot of others for 40 days he's appearing to different people Um, amongst them at this one point um he appears to a group of seven of the disciples while they're together fishing and we'll get into john 21 so that's the stage there so he finds them fishing another miraculous catch of fish they eat a meal together And then, when they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus had asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. And then he said to him, follow me. Um, Jesus goes way out of his way here um, to forgive the betrayal that he had warned about before it even happened. Um, And so today, as we eat this bread and we drink this juice, um, and we do this in remembrance of Jesus. Um, let's remember that part of who he is. We're not, it's not just the, and not to take anything away from it, of course, but it's not just the um, crucifixion and the overcoming death. Um, it's amazing and incredible, of course, as all that is and how every part of who we are is built on that. Um, Jesus, right after he'd had that meal with his disciples, talked about how you guys are going to fall away. And then when they did, exactly as he said they were going to, he came back from death and came back and gave a very specific opportunity to restore them for having fallen away. And so if he can do that for them I believe of course he can do that for us and he will and he does. Um, So again today as we have this together let's remember what Jesus does for us and who that makes us. Heavenly Father we thank you again for Uh, the opportunity to join together today. Thank you that uh, even the simple parts of being healthy enough to actually come meet together, um, being maybe spiritually aware enough to know that we need to. Um, God, we thank you that you've put people uh, in our lives, in this neighborhood, who we can join together with as we try to find and to do your will as we live through our lives here. I'm going to pray that uh, your message uh, pierces into our hearts, that we're able to identify uh, things in ourselves that, that we've done well and things that we have not done well. Places that we have maybe brought you joy and a smile and places where uh, we know we have fallen short and that we need to change. Uh, God, we thank you, of course, for uh, your grace that you've given us through Jesus. And I learned uh, as we get ready to leave today, I yes, ask that you would help for us uh, as individuals and also together as a, as a body to grow into uh, the people you've called us to be, um, that we can share your message in a way that it can be heard and understood, um, that we can show love to those who are hurting and need it, uh, and that we can build each other up. My Father, praise in Jesus' name. All right. I said nothing about Thanksgiving. I know. That's okay. Have a good week anyway. Um, If uh, going back to the notes thing, um, got any scripture that I've read today, if any of those were like, yeah, you know what? I wanted to go back and see that. I forgot where he said it. It's all written on there. So you can circle that or take it back again, get more context, do some study. I mean, that's kind of what these Sunday sermons are for, right? You get a message, but hopefully spurring into more growth at home um,